You're listening to The Devoted Podcast, where our desire is to be women devoted to the Word of God. We're so glad you're here, and we pray you'll be challenged and encouraged as we look to God's Word together. Welcome to The Devoted Podcast. Hey, if you're just joining us or just checking us out for the first time, let me just share with you what this podcast is all about. So the vision behind Devoted is to point women to the Word of God. Pretty simple, right? But it couldn't be more important. Now, here on the podcast, we will do that in a couple ways. Sometimes we will talk about a tough topic that we face as women and what the Bible says about that. Sometimes we'll look at strengthening our own spiritual disciplines. Last month, we we talked about prayer and Bible study. Those things are going to keep coming up, and we're going to intertwine that probably almost in every episode we do because they're so important. Other times we might do an interview or hear someone's story on some things that they've been through and how Jesus has impacted them and how their own stories bring us and point us right back to Scripture, too. Because even in our personal stories, I always want that to bring us back to the Word. And why? Because the Bible is what tells us God's story. It shows us His character, holiness, compassion, sovereignty, There's so much more in there. And I know I sound this time and probably always, I sound pretty emphatic about this. And it's because I am. This is just me. This is just Amy being really committed to this. And I I think this episode is going to kind of help explain why a little bit. But I know I'm not alone in this fire for the Word of God, too. And particularly in these days that we're living I'm just not sure how much more important it could be. You know, we we seem to be just surrounded, you know, by noise and unrest that seems just, it's troubling. <laughs> it's concerning on many levels. And I don't want to reach for any other New York Times bestseller than the Bible that we hold in our hands. You know, it, I've heard it said that they don't even put the Bible is a New York Times bestseller because it is every single time, but it is. But right now there's so many sources. There's so much information that everybody wants to recommend. Have you read this book? Have you done this? Have you, you know, all of these things. And, you know, hear me on this. I'm a reader. I am a learner by nature, really. And I'm not telling you to to toss out every other source or devotional or anything like that. And that's not what I'm saying. But I would tell you that If you are looking for a source and you're reading something, whether it's speaking on the culture or the church or, you know, something specific in your life, and that source isn't pointing you towards the confirmation of what you find in God's word, then I would strongly suggest that minimally you're just wasting your time. And worst case scenario, you could be opening yourself up to some bad teaching and Again, I'm not an expert at this. It's not like I lived 60 years ago to see the prevalence of crazy doctrine and crazy teaching. I don't know. I've only know what I have studied from history. And I know that a lot of these things aren't new. It's not new because the enemy just really doesn't have that many good ideas. (laughs) He just keeps recycling all the same stuff. But right now we do have a lot of information. And I think some of it is that it seems to be a little bit more in our face right now because we do have this crazy thing called the internet. We have more information than we know what to do with. Even if you don't darken the door of social media, you have so much information at your fingertips, which could be great. 
you can look at all kinds of great sources. I've pointed you guys to in other podcasts to ways that you can study scripture just from free online sources on the internet. That's great. But there's also a lot of stuff out there that can really put you in a different direction. And so I know I sound simple, but it's why I really love to just keep coming back to God's word. And so as I, you know, was preparing for this, and I'm just, we're in the midst of all of just this troubling season really in our country. And it's sort of been this way all of 2020, right? I mean, my goodness, this has been a year like no other. Everybody continues to talk about, well, that was really crazy. They, you know, things are going to get better. And then the next thing happens. And then the next thing, and, you know, I'm just not sure, folks, that this does get better. Not to sound doom and gloom, but I'm just saying these are troubling times and we need to figure out where we want to get our footing. And I guess that's what I'm searching for. And that's what I have been asking the Lord and praying for direction is, Lord, where do we get our footing in all of this? And what the Lord laid on my heart is exactly what he's been laying on my heart for the last year and and long before the Devoted Podcast was here, and that is to stand firm in God's Word. And we talked about some of this a bit when we discussed the steadfastness of the Lord and the reliability of His Word, and it's just kind of pretty much all we can count on. They always joke and say, you know, there's so much fake news, and I kind of hate that phrase just because I feel like it's been overused so much, but you kind of just feel like... Yeah, like you really, there isn't even a headline that pops on my phone anymore that I don't go, huh, I'm not real sure if that's real. Even if it's a scientific report, you know, there is just as many studies on one side as there is the other. There's just nothing really that you can rely on, it feels like. And that's like what we talked about in that last podcast on steadfastness, I don't know, a few weeks ago or whenever that was. But we know that we can find truth in God's word. And so, yep, I'm going to keep sounding simple. I'm going to keep banging the same drum probably, because I think that's where we need to come back to. But I like this concept, and we're going to go into this a little bit more of standing firm, because I don't know if you guys are like me, but, you know, there's been times in these last couple weeks that standing firm didn't, it was sounding less attainable. Maybe crawling up in the fetal position going, I give up. I don't know what to do anymore. This is all too much. That might have been a little bit more the response of my flesh a little bit. But that's not what we're told to do. We're told to stand firm. And I think I know I personally, I needed that encouragement, you know. So that's what I want to talk about a little bit is while the world seems to be drawing all kinds of battle lines, you know, and, and I just want to dig deeper into what the scriptures say. And how are we supposed to do that? What should that look like for us daily, daily? So with that said, I want to look at what the Bible tells us on armoring up. It's going to be a familiar passage to you guys, but it's one I could just read over and over. And it's one of the things that I always love so much about God's word. And like I said, being a learner, I always find that so often with scripture, you can look at the same passage and something else pops out at you that you maybe didn't see before. And that is just unlike any other, it's not like there's a work of literature that you can say that about. There might be a really good, you know, here's the English nerd in me coming out. There might be a really good poem out there or something that maybe there's some metaphor or some some things that you didn't notice before, but it's probably like one thing and then it's done and then you move on. It's not like the word of God. The word of God is just deep and rich. And, you know, the older you get and the more you read it, 
it just impacts you in different ways, even through the life experience that you've had and the different ways that God speaks throughout Scripture and reading the things that you read throughout the full counsel of the Word. And so I just love that about that. So yes, while some of this may be a familiar passage, I think for us, for me, this was a pep talk I needed. And, you know, I'm making that sound like it's light. It's a whole lot more than a pep talk, but it was definitely an encouraging time for me in this passage. So our world is screaming. It's telling us right now that we got to get into the fight. And I'm not I'm not addressing that terribly too much right now. I mean, the Lord absolutely may call you to a particular action. I'm not speaking to that. Pray about those things. And if the Lord calls you to that, I would say be absolutely obedient to what the Lord calls you to. But the Bible is talk, tells us too just how we are to fight the daily battle. So we're going to look at this section of Ephesians 6, and but I'm going to take it a little out of order because I, I first want to look at Ephesians 6.12. And Ephesians 6.12 says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. This verse is helping us, it's a key passage, and it's a critical perspective to have, because it's helping us to see that we don't fight against the things that we can touch and see. We think we do. We think that, you know, if you're in a fight with your spouse or a friend or a roommate or a family member, you think you're fighting against that person. I do. But this scripture is reminding us that you're not wrestling against that. You're not wrestling against flesh and blood. This is telling us that our argument, whatever it may be, that it's against the spiritual forces of evil and the heavenly realms. It's not the physical ones that we can see. And I think that we forget that. I know I do. And I think we forget, too, how real the spiritual world is. And no fault to us, right? We can't see it. And we just like the things that we can see and touch and feel. And and so it's easy for us to think that the things that we can't see are not real. But we know, we know how real God is. And we can't see him. And yet sometimes I think we doubt the enemy and the fact of, of the things that he is doing behind the scenes that we can't see. But boy, we sure can see the destruction that he leaves in his wake. You know, I mean, I think of that word in First Peter when it uses the word devour. You know, it says that the enemy roams to and fro seeking to whom he may devour. You know, that's a pretty descript word. I think it's one of those things that we read it so much and the, the familiarity of it that you kind of lose the potency of the word a bit because we should see the ugliness and, you know, kind of the evil motivation that the enemy, he hates us. He hates you and he hates me and he's he's not looking to bruise us. He's not looking to give us a little scrape or a scrap. No, he is looking to devour us, literally eat us alive. That's his goal. So you can't see it. And it is these things that are in the spiritual world, but it's real. And that's what we are fighting. So I think that's an important perspective to look at it. And as we're going to read the scripture about or this passage about the armor of God, I think that helps to set the tone on what the perspective is that we should have. So what do we do with all this that we got around us? You know, what do we do with the noisy, divisive, and just the often hateful culture? Okay, we want to, like I said before, we want to take back our focus and look to God's word. So let's look at Ephesians 6. And I'm going to read starting in verse 10. First part of verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Okay, just stop right there. 
even if we didn't say a single thing else on this episode, finally be strong in the Lord and then the strength of his might. It's kind of like what I was just talking a few minutes ago about standing firm. This is the Lord telling us, be strong, be strong in the Lord. This is kind of that you can picture the huddle and the coach trying to give his team a little bit of a pep talk when they are just spent. And that's kind of how I picture this phrase, but he's saying, be strong in the Lord. But I like the second part of it because he says, and in the strength of his might. Boy, we sure do. And I do too. We try to wrestle and, and do things in our own strength. We try to logically figure out what's going on. We try to, whatever it is, whatever we're trying to make sense of, but we often, I know I do, kind of will rely on our own strength. And this is telling us right out of the gate with this passage. It's saying, be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might. So keep reading to verse 11, and it says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil And then we read in verse 12, which we read earlier, but just to read that again, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil and in the heavenly places. And then here we go. And so we already covered that part. We know that we're not fighting against flesh and blood. It's against these spiritual forces. And let's keep going in verse 13. It says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Okay, it's reiterating that whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand firm. Oh, man, there's so much in this verse. I love this verse. First part, whole armor of God. Okay, I'm not going to give a spoiler about all the things we're going to talk about in the armor of God, but we want to highlight right there that it is saying, don't leave any pieces out, the whole armor of God. So we'll circle back to that at the end, get our checklist and make sure we've got it all. But then it says that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Does this feel like an evil day to anybody else but me? This is an evil day. I was thinking with my husband the other day, and we were just kind of thinking, you know, what is it like to be a kid growing up in these days? Now, granted, they don't know any different. So it's not like they can they can say, oh, I don't know. They don't have anything terribly profound to say because they, they can't compare it to anything. But when I compare this day and my kids' childhood to my childhood, it's very, very different. Very different. And I can relate to this part of this verse so much more that this is an evil day. It really does feel quite evil. And then the next part says, having done all to stand firm. That phrase, having done all, you know, it's in a couple places, that same Greek word, but one of them is in Philippians 2.12. And in Philippians 2.12, that's the verse that says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. But it's that working out piece, you know, and then here it's saying having done all. And there's a couple definitions that go with the Greek word that they're using for that. You know, it's to perform, to accomplish, achieve. But the one that I, you know, I don't like to pick and choose my definitions. It's meaning all the same thing. But the One that I was highlighting was to make every effort, because both in this one in 613, it's saying having done all, and then in the other one, it's saying working it out, but there's an effort involved in it. I feel like I need that reminder a little bit, because we're going to talk about the armor of God, and I don't think we should go into this thinking that, oh, that's a piece of cake. We'll just put on the armor of God. We'll just say this. We'll read this verse. We'll put on the armor of God and check the box and we got it. We're missing it, if that's what you're thinking, because there's the connotation of that word of the effort there. 
You got to do all that you can. And that's why here in 13, it says at the end, having done all, you got to put some effort into this, guys, in order to put on this armor. We need to do some work here to stand firm. You might say, well, just the standing part is hard. (laughs) And it does kind of feel like that a bit. Yeah, the standing part feels a little hard. But go back to the first part of the verse that we, we read in chapter six or verse 10 when it was saying in his might. Okay, so let's keep that in perspective that that we're doing this through his strength and his might for sure. So we're going to break down a little bit. What is this armor? Okay, so in verse 14, we start there and it says stand. Therefore, again, do you keep noticing this word keeps popping up over and over stand, 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 therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. Okay, that's the first part we have to our armor here. And when I think of a belt, I think of this with my modern eyes, but I don't think that the role that this piece of clothing would have been in Bible day would have been terribly different, you know, but a belt is, you know, it's strapped on tight and it's there to keep things in place. It's a great picture. And so it's telling us to fasten on the belt of truth. We need the truth. We need the truth to keep things in place. Isn't that a cool picture? So it's putting in the belt saying that's the thing that keeps us in place. We need the truth. And the truth, that's what helps us keep perspective on our situation. And again, I think that's why I just keep over and over coming back to God's word. Because like I said, and like I know that you know, so many things that we're seeing out there just are not true. (laughs) There's things that are just not true. So we've got to cling to what is true. So even this picture of the belt being like tight around us. Like, let's hold this close. Let's not hold this at arm's length. No, it's like a belt that we're literally strapping on tightly in order to keep things where they're supposed to be if we're, if we're taking the picture through. But what is true? And we need that. The world tries to tell us that this is kind of a, a subjective principle, right? That there's your truth and there's my truth. And whatever your truth is, you know, that's just great. But guys, that is just not possible. Truth is just it is true. You can't have subjectivity to that. This is silly, but I feel like it's like trying to use a blender to hold up your pants, okay? It's saying that the blender's the belt. It does not matter how many times that you tell that blender that it's a belt, it's never going to function like a belt. It's just not going to. And I, I know that's a silly picture, but it's kind of a silly concept. The your truth, my truth thing is total garbage. So, truth is what holds things in place. And it's a big deal. In uh, John 14, 6, it says Jesus is truth. It said, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So truth's a big deal. It can't be subjective. It can't be your truth. It can't be my truth. There is the truth. There's the truth, and then there's everything else, I think I heard somebody say once. But it's there's just one. There's just one truth. Okay, so we'll keep going. We got our belt here. Now on to verse 14, it continues and says, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, most of us, you know, we're probably not strapping on any kind of breastplate these days. But I do love the imagery here because it's continuing this picture of an external strong covering. And it's something extra that we're putting on here. And the placement for this, I find interesting because it's right over our hearts. It's the breastplate. And it continues to draw that correlation with being over the heart. In Proverbs, it says the heart is the wellspring of life. 
So think of that this is a breastplate of righteousness that we're covering. And righteousness, you know, think justice and righteousness, something really that we need the approval of God, okay? We know that we don't have a righteousness of our own, but there is this picture here of covering ourselves with a breastplate of righteousness or with the approval of God. We want the things that are covering us, covering our hearts, we want them to be the things that God would approve of that are just and righteous. So we've got our belt of truth. We've got the breastplate of righteousness. And then verse 15 says, And as for shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Beautiful, beautiful illustration, I think, for for what? For shoes. If you have kids and you tell them to get ready to go, especially if you have younger kids, because I remember when my kids were like four and five, Seriously, nine times out of 10, you will be totally ready to walk out the door and you'll look down and you'll say to them, where are your shoes? Why they don't think to put their shoes on? I don't know. But why do we care? Because shoes on your feet, it's what you need to be ready to go outside. So the picture just continues here. Go into the world, you know, if you will. You can't go outside. You can't go into the world until you got your shoes on. But these are special shoes. These are the shoes, they're the gospel. Gospel's just another word for good news of peace. And boy, couldn't we use a few more pairs of those kinds of shoes? I'm not sure if Zappos delivers those, but we need to look into that. When we're ready to go out there, out to the world, physically, sure, but maybe digitally, Are we going out into the world with the gospel of peace, or are we quick to go out into the world with a post or comment that's more sowing seeds of division to make our point? But is it necessarily having the shoes of the gospel of peace? I think that's a strong reminder for us as we go out into the world what our our mindset needs to be. We need to have those shoes, that readiness of the gospel of peace. Verse 16 continues, and it says, in all circumstances, here's our next element to our armor, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Now, again, we don't really carry physical shields, but I guess first we see the effectiveness of our faith to really kind of be pointing, kind of direct your shield towards right towards the arrows of the enemy in order to deflect those. And I think this is where we need to sit and not be shaken. Don't let your faith be shaken. Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Know the word of God. Your faith, it's going to be strong and be able to deflect the enemy, but how? You have to know the word. Also note in Romans, what verse I just read that it says, hearing the word. I've talked about this before a little bit, but I do love to listen to the word. And it may seem strange to do your Bible reading for that day and read it out loud, but you could totally do that. Or you can grab any of the number of Bible apps out there that we've talked about before and listen to the audio of your Bible reading. You know, I have done this before where maybe I'm reading in my version that I usually read is the ESV. But then to go read that same passage and maybe listen to it in the NLT or in the NIV or in the King James. But it's another way that you could even just read that exact same passage, but you can listen to it. 
But it's interesting that Romans tells us that faith comes by hearing the word. Now, another great way of hearing the word, of course, is church. Plugging into good, sound Bible teaching at church. You can hear the word of God there. So it's a reminder for us to not forsake that. I think that your faith is not going to be shaken. It's going to be strong with the shield of faith that comes by hearing the word. I also like in Revelation 1-3, it even says in that book specifically, it says that you will be blessed as the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And then the words goes on. But that book in particular, it remarks that to read it aloud. So there's something that the scripture is telling us about the audible, I guess, taking in of the word. So we see that in Romans 10 and then also there in Revelation 1-3. So a couple more things to our armor here. Let's go into verse 17 says, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Okay, so first the helmet. Okay, I'm not a forensic expert here, but I've seen enough TV and I've read enough crime novels to know that the thing that you rarely survive from is a headshot. Okay, those are always like, that's the one that in the battle scene, nobody survives that one, or at least not very often. And even if we're talk- talking about something lethal, if you've ever had a head injury, you know, heads bleed like crazy. My goodness, they I mean, they bleed more than most wounds. You can have the tiniest little scratch on a head and it will, it just bleeds. You just don't want to mess with the head. So I think appropriately, our greatest protection comes from the helmet of what? The helmet of salvation, our salvation, knowing that we are sinners needing saved, believing that Jesus is the only way and accepting his death and resurrection. It's the only thing that saves our life eternally. What a cool picture is that? That It's the helmet of salvation. Like I said, you, you need your head protected. It's the only thing that saves us is knowing that Jesus is the answer. Just like we read up in John 14, 6, that he is the way, the truth, the life. Knowing that, that is our salvation. And that is, it's putting that picture of it being the helmet of salvation. I think that's really cool. And then our last implement is the sword itself, which he defines right there as, you know, what it is. He said, it says the sword of the spirit, the word of God, which is the word of God. And I could read you countless scriptures on the word the importance of it, all those things. Clearly, I, I feel pretty strongly about that. We have a whole podcast devoted to it. So, But read Psalm 119. The sword, the word of God, is so important that the longest chapter in the Bible is stating and restating for 176 verses, all the things that the word is. I mean, there's so many. I, I'm a big fan of Psalm 119, but Psalm 119, 11 through 12, I have stored up your words in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. The word is important. It's important. But I also like that the picture of the sword for the word here, because there's kind of a skill to knowing what to do with a sword. My kids have those pocket knives. To me, they're a little bit bigger than knives. I, I don't know. My husband's fine with it, but they're knives and they kind of snap open, which every time scares me to death when it, you know, snaps open. And I'm usually smart enough to open the knife, but I can never get the thing closed. So I end up usually having to leave it open if I have to use it and then putting it on a counter or something for someone else to close for me because I've got those funny buttons, you know, and I'm just worthless with it. So 
I don't want to have that level of skill or lack thereof with the sword that is the word of God. So it's, it's another reminder to know what you're doing with your Bible. We don't want to be slashing at people with an out-of-context verse, for example. That's like me with a pocket knife. It doesn't end well. That's even why we talk about often different ways and different ideas on Bible study, knowing how to effectively study the word that we have, knowing to study it within context, knowing to look at the book for, you know, who wrote it, who were they writing it to, taking things in the proper context is really important. And a lot of times we don't, we don't do that. Sometimes people, we can pick and choose verses that we think fit our thing and take things out of context. That's a dangerous one. But just, even beyond taking things out of context, just knowing how to effectively study the Bible is important because it will help you be effective with the sword that you have. So that's the armor itself. But I want to read you one more in this chapter in Ephesians 6. And verse 18 says, Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. So we wrap all of this up with this reminder to be in prayer and asking the Spirit to intervene and bringing our requests, all of them, the hurt of our country, all the things that seem to be so broken right now, bringing those things to the Lord in prayer. But I like that it also is reminding us to ask the Spirit for these things. Because I know sometimes I can feel like I'm not even sure exactly how to pray in a given situation. But we know that the Spirit intervenes for us. So I like the way it concludes here because it's telling us, here's all this picture of the armor of God showing us how to battle up how to armor up and be ready for this daily fight that's not against flesh and blood, how to be ready for this stuff. In it, a few little words that are just, you know, a bit of encouragement. Be strong. It keeps telling us to stand, to stand, to stand. But remember back to when we talked about the very first part when it said to take up the whole armor of God. We don't want to leave anything out. Sometimes we can be really good maybe with our sword, maybe we are really into Bible study, but maybe we forget the helmet of salvation. Maybe the Bible turns into more like head knowledge and not the saving work of the cross. And like we said, you don't want to mess with the head. We want the head to be protected, and the only way the head is protected is by salvation itself. Maybe we're not so good with the belt of truth, Maybe we're good at some of these other things, but maybe we're okay with that person's truth or this person's truth. And maybe we've allowed some compromises to sneak in and, and just kind of be okay with that. I think in each of these elements of the armor of God that there are things that we should pause, slow down. Don't read over all of these parts. Don't go through it even as quickly as I just did. Maybe you just look at each one each one of the elements to the armor of God, and ask the Spirit, how are you doing on that piece? Do we need to sharpen the sword a little bit? Are there ways that he would do that? How are you doing? How are your shoes? Are we putting on the shoes that are the gospel of peace, or are we 
being anything but peaceful as we go out into the world. I'm reminded, I think, especially during these times that you can seem like everybody's watching you, but yet you're all alone at the same time. I think that's a little bit of the danger, I feel like, sometimes with social media, because it feels like you can say pretty much whatever you want. And at the time, it feels like there's no accountability to it. You know, you can fire that thing off and and maybe it's not something that you would necessarily say if that person was sitting right next to you. But so you could put it out there, but we're not putting on the shoes that are the gospel of peace. And we're not keeping those types of things at the forefront. So I think there's a lot of great things that we can pull from this passage. I think one of them could just be an encouragement to all of us to stand. Hang in there. Be firm. Stand. Keep your footing in the Word of God. This is really the only place you want to be. You really don't want to rely on my opinion. You don't want to rely on somebody's opinion you you read somewhere or you heard on a different podcast. You want to rely on the Word of God. And that's it. And I know I, I say that all the time, and it sounds like it's so simple. And, and people would say, well, you need more than that. I don't think that you do. I think that Jesus and His Word is all that we need. So maybe you just needed that part. Maybe you just needed the encouragement of, hey, keep standing. Keep standing. Keep being firm. But maybe you needed to look at the other pieces, the other suggestions of all of these exterior things, you know, the shield, the breastplate, the belt of truth, these things that we can put on, that we can effectively fight the battle that we're in right now. Probably more than any other time for me, I feel like, wow, it actually really does seem like a battle right now. And that's just with what I can see. Can you only imagine what it is from verse 12 on what's going on in the spiritual realm. Wow. I mean, that's a profound thought right there. But whatever it is, whether it's just the encouragement to keep going and the, to keep standing, but be in the word, just keep being in the word and look at each of these pieces that are here that Paul is giving us this instruction on how we can effectively fight this battle. Because I think this is our footing. This is where we need to be. So I hope that's an encouragement to you guys. And, you know, I think all of us, we need to do just like what I was saying in those last couple verses there, being in prayer. We always need to be in prayer, asking the Spirit, bringing our requests, praying, you know, further on in that passage in Ephesians that we didn't read, it talks about praying for the saints. You know, praying for our church leaders and people that are influencing many, praying that they will be armoring up, that they will be putting on the full armor of God as well. So I hope that's an encouragement to you guys, and we will catch you next time on The Devoted Podcast. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in to The Devoted Podcast. We are a ministry of Athey Creek Christian Fellowship in West Lynn, Oregon. For more resources, or if you need prayer or encouragement, send us an email at devotedpodcast at atheycreek.com.